Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they them. And this week, we're, we're, st- we're still priding, we're still priding it up. Lin- Lindsay, what, what queer stuff have you brought for us this week? So I have brought DC Comics Bombshells, which was a first uh, 2015 digital uh, comic series that was also published um, in paperback form. Um, and it was inspired by the DC Bombshells line of variant covers and collectible statues depicting their female and sometimes male characters in styles of the 1940s pinups. And Bombshells is set in an alternative universe where all of the world's superheroes are women fighting for freedom and justice during World War II. So this was made for you. Yes. <laughs> and it's hella queer. Because, like... Well, the first character that we're introduced to is freaking Kate Kane, a.k.a. Batwoman, and she's got a girlfriend. Uh, Harley and Ivy also make an appearance. And nice. just, like, sapphicness. Because <laughs> there's basically no male heroes in this. Nice. Um, Kate Kane's girlfriend, is she also a known hero, or is she just, like, a civilian? Uh... I think they went with one of her civilian girlfriends. They make a mention of Renee Montoya because part of Kate's uh, adapted backstory is that she fought with the Republican side during the Spanish Civil War and her girlfriend there was a um, Catalonian freedom fighter named Renee Montoya. Okay. But the situation is a bit ambiguous about Montoya's fate, unfortunately, but that was a rough war, so... Mm-hmm. But also, it's okay, so how long did the original series go on for? Uh, series went on until, uh, 2019. Oh, wow, that's longer than I expected. Yeah. I figured it'd only be, like, a 12-issue a or even just a 6-issue thing, and then stop. Yeah, I think they managed to get up to, like, 36 issues, which is a miracle in today's comic book world. Oh, yeah. I mean... Probably a little bit easier at DC because they're not starting everything over at number one every like six months. Yeah. I remember Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Um, it started and I think yeah, it started in 2015 and then uh, Secret Wars happened, so then it started again in the fall of 2015, and the cover said, The only comic to have two number one issues in the same year. That's not an achievement, Marvel. Well, it was Squirrel Girl, so they were kinda uh, goofing at Oh them. yeah, they were being facetious, but at the same time, Marvel! Honey, baby, yeah. stop with reboots. But we're not here to talk about Marvel. Yeah, we're here to talk about DC stuff, because I want to turn this into a live-action series. It's going to be its own universe, but there will probably inevitably be crossovers with the other DC Extended Universe TV shows. This can be on an alternate Earth. Yeah, and okay... So I know that the Snyder Cut is going to go on to HBO Max, but what if we put it put this on HBO? Yeah, that works. A yeah. lot of people forget that HBO was owned by Warner. Yeah. It would also fit on there because, like, it would kind of be... What I was thinking is maybe start out as, like, a miniseries, like, just do ten episodes and, like, hour-long episodes, kind of Band and Brother style or the Pacific style... Like, not go too far hardcore into the realism because this is superheroes and nobody likes super dour stuff, but I'm talking about, like, 
you know, just, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Other than, yeah, like, I would, it I would think, kind of like, I know, in... I know what you're trying to say, but I think the Pacific and Banner Brothers is exactly the wrong way to go about this. Yeah. Like, I would argue okay. put it more towards Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. Okay, scratch that, reverse that. I guess, like, sort of in the tradition of the HBO miniseries. To start. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Just because, I, I mean, the the concept of putting the superheroes in the Second World War, or for the, any war, really, is very hard line to tread because you don't want to start romanticizing the war. Yeah. Like, Ca- Captain America... I mean, I mean, obviously it fell a little bit in more into romanticization, but it did also show that, like, the rom- the romanticized parts were extremely manufactured, but then even when he got into the realistic part, it, then it all, it became its own v- variant of the romantic pulp war hero. Yeah, and I guess part of the problem, too, is that we are now far enough away that there's barely enough people who are alive who, from then who remember it now as it was yeah and like to be fair this kind of was there were good guys and bad guys even though we did ally ourselves with one of the bad guys but like well yeah that's the thing like the the first world war a little bit but second world war had like actual defined bad guys in it and i think that's why it's so easy to romanticize it yeah but it wasn't like Ah, uh, all the all the lads from your hometown are gonna go and they're gonna fight the Krauts and they're coming, gonna come back and everything's great. And yeah, even, no. even if they did have a quote unquote romping good time in Germany, <laughs> it sucked. If if they somehow managed to avoid all the terrible shit that happened during the war, then they get to come back and deal with all the terrible shit that happens after the war. Yeah, like if you ever wonder why something like Dianetics and Scientology took off, it was because. A lot of vets were looking for some sort of psychological help, but of course there was a lot of stigma about seeking psychological help, and this is also a lot cheaper than paying like 15, at the time, 15 bucks is a lot for a psychologist who might not exist where you live, but like you have all these very complicated emotions and straight up trauma that you're trying to deal with, hence buying a book is easier. Yeah. Oh, and also, like, the one of the main crooks of Scientology is, like, it just starts out talking about your feelings and figuring out how to deal with your emotions. And it's only when you get, like, to certain levels when they start saying, actually, you're lying about your feelings, so now we will starve you until you admit to things you never did. Also, past lives are a thing. Also, um, you owe us about $10,000. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about how to adapt... World War II era superheroes, because also we're talking about, like, the Golden Age of Comics, which was during World War II, and apparently there is a DC in-universe explanation for why Superman never took on Hitler. What is the reason? You ever hear, heard of the Spear of Destiny, or the Spear of Longinus? I have, actually, because it was the plot of the Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Yeah, so apparently Hitler had that, and this is... Okay, it's... <laughs> It's a real artifact, but it's probably not actually the spear that pierced the side of Jesus. Just and it saying. probably doesn't have the power to warp reality either. Yeah. Um, it's just like a pretty looking spearhead that's covered in gold and might have a nail that... It does have a nail that is supposedly a nail from the true cross. Probably not. <laughs> but apparently it has... 
extremely powerful supernatural powers. And one of the legends is that whoever uh, is in possession of the spears will be victorious. But if you lose it, you almost immediately die. And there's a whole bunch of rumors about like weird timings involving who had it and a couple of coincidences. Like uh, apparently the Americans took uh, Nuremberg where the spear was being kept the same day that Hitler committed suicide, thus they had the spear, and apparently, this wasn't true, but um, supposedly General Patton had it for a bit, but then he decided to give it back to the city of Vienna, where where the museum that originally held it is. Um, and then he immediately died in a car crash that was super freaky, because nobody else was seriously injured except him. Oh my god. Again, this is super... You need. I feel like you need your own podcast to talk about German occultism. <laughs> well, while we were talking about not romanticizing the war, I had an idea. I don't, I, I don't want to infringe on what you want to do, but I have an idea to avoid the romantic stuff and to focus more on the queer stuff. What if the series is post-war? Ooh. Okay. Like, it, it starts with all these heroes coming, like, back from the front lines, coming back to America, and, like, trying to continue their lives, but, hey, that's not how it works. A yeah. lot of shit has gone down. Yeah. Like, uh, Wonder Woman is in this, and there's a whole, can I go back to Themyscira? Hmm. As, so when, when you say, can I go back to Themyscira, is that, am I capable of it, or do I deserve to? I think both, and also, like, if... Like, I'm now a public figure. How do I protect them, Ascira, and, like, their right to be, you know, not part of the world? Yeah. But also we have some pretty amazing stuff here. It's kind of the Wakanda problem. Mm-hmm. How do I do this safely? Yeah. So they have Supergirl and they have Stargirl. Stargirl isn't that well known, it seems. Well, she does have a new TV show, but I think that's a different Stargirl from the one you're talking about. Yeah. So this one, she's originally called uh, Courtney Whitmore. And in Bombshell, she gets renamed. um, I'm probably going to also change the name in the adaptation because it doesn't fit actual Russian uh, (laughs) naming conventions. She gets called Courtney Dolgoruki. And I'm like, mm, not an actual Russian name. We're going to have to fix that. Put a note there. There's a whole bunch of K names for girls in Russian. Yeah. Um, but basically, they kind of adapted the Red Sun plotline for Kara. Okay. Yeah, where she lands in the Soviet Union. And, well, she doesn't get raised by the Soviet state. She gets raised by uh, two peasants, one of whom was a scientist who had kind of gone on the wrong side of the authorities and uh, is now living in exile. And eventually their powers are discovered um, hmm. and they're used as propaganda. So they're kinda, they kind of got the uh, Captain America treatment from the first adventure movie. Yeah. They're propaganda tools, and they're like, you know what? No, we're actually going to do go out and do stuff. And they end up defected to the U.S. Because, uh, yeah, the Soviet Union, they're, they're the um, token evil teammate of World War II. Okay. Like, the individual civilians and the individual people were probably all great people. Their leadership, on the other hand, was uh, left a lot to be desired. So said miniseries, but maybe this should be expanded out to 
No, keep it 10 episodes. Start it as a miniseries, and then if there's stuff we can get into afterwards, then we can. Yeah, because at some point they do do a version of the Trigon story for Raven. Yeah, Raven makes an appearance. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of those you have to build up to it, I feel. Yeah. Um. They also have the Joker's daughter, or at least there's this character uh, who claims to be the Joker's daughter amongst other supervillains. Is that Duella? Yeah, Duella. Yeah, that's kind of her shtick. Yeah. <laughs> as, as far as I know. Yeah. So remember a while back when we were adapting Zatanna into yeah. a TV series and I mentioned how John Constantine was a, a bunny rabbit in DC Bombshells? Yeah, it's because of Duella. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if we should keep John Constantine a bunny rabbit. <laughs> yes, he has to be a bunny rabbit, but still voiced by Matt Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> All gravelly. Oh my god, he's the Detective Pikachu of this series. <laughs> <laughs> you Now you remind me, and I do have to mention that All Legends of Tomorrow, the TV series that John Constantine is the main character in, his uh, apprentice-slash-boyfriend, Gary, <laughs> is now in possession of a pet bunny rabbit. <laughs> So, uh, fingers crossed in season six, some shenanigans happen and John Constantine's mind gets put put inside the bunny. (laughs) Give me a surly bunny. (laughs) (laughs) An actual killer rabbit. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. I finally figured out how to do the miniseries episode. So, it... Each episode would focus on a particular, like, main superheroine. So, it, say the first one would be Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd have um, Supergirl and Stargirl having to adapt to American society. Kate Kane going back to being just a regular vigilante superhero in uh, Gotham, but wanting mm-hmm. more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, poten- the potential for Ruby Rose to come back for that, because if it's, it's a, it's a smaller episode commitment. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. So part of a reason I don't know how they're going to keep going with the Batwoman is because I haven't finished watching the first season yet. Mm. Um, but they're in a good position on account of there's multiple characters who their whole modus operandi is I'm going to replace my own face with someone else's. Joy. So recasting Batwoman should turn out fine. Yeah. <laughs> also, Batwoman in the Bombshell series, she is part of uh, an all-woman's uh, baseball team. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, sort of get into a bit of a League of Our Own <laughs> shenanigans. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so, she's a baseball bat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, puns. Gotta love them puns. Because all, all, all the the girls who are part of the Bat family are on the same bat, baseball bat team. Yeah, they are. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um. Oh, who else is in there? There's, of course, Satana, mm-hmm. who unfortunately had to spend a couple of years under Duella's control as kind of like a forced cabaret girl. Oh, that's I don't like that. Yeah. But she manages to escape with John Constantine, and, you know, they... Deal with magical shit. No, when you say force, is it like magically forced or just like kind of held prisoner? Held prisoner with blackmail. Okay, so that that I can get behind a little better. I was yeah. worried it was some kind of like magical mind coercion thing. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't anything like that. They were planning I mean, I don't, escape. I mean, I don't support imprisonment of any kind, yeah. but... Eh. If, if it's just blackmail, it doesn't give me the Wiggins the same way that mind control would. Yeah. Um, let's see. Huntress was, um... She was a regular human vigilante in Germany fighting the Nazis, and she was also, um... Part of an underground swing band. Oh, neat. Yeah, because swing music and swing dancing was banned in Nazi Germany because it was apparently thought to be too sexual. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I would like to see Helena, you know, this is post-war Germany. It's not as apocalyptic as post-war Japan, but it's damn near apocalyptic. Yeah, especially because they split the whole country in two. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is before the wall went up, so yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, there would be a an Ivy and Harley episode. Yes, we need a Harley and Ivy episode. Black Canary. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so Mira's another one of those, like, got to experience the human world for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a whole bunch of adjusting your perspective on everything. Yeah. Trying to find a normal, but realizing that the old normal isn't going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Raven, of course, but that's more. If this got renewed into a regular season, that's a build-up sort of thing. You introduce her, you get hints of the backstory, and then the big finale would be taking on Trigon. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, big level threat. That's why we're probably not going to see Galactus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a while. Yeah. Um. Okay. So h- how about this? What if? The in, instead of the miniseries building up to Trigon, because I feel like the miniseries should be more focused on the characters dealing with their personal stuff than any kind of big bad. Yeah, like an individual episode for a heroine or a pair of heroines. So how about it starts with Kate and then Diana's episode is the last episode, but the whole through line of the show is Diana figuring out how and if she should go back to Themyscira. Like that can be the major plot. Okay. She could even be, I don't even know if it was established by then, but get pulled in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee or something and be like, you have to reveal the location of Themyscira or you're a communist because we have no logic. Shit like that. (laughs) And she's like, but I'm not a citizen of your nation. So that means you're a traitor. (laughs) But yeah, like, have Diana's episode end the miniseries and then... It can, it can end on her, like, going back to Themyscira or being stuck in America, however we want to have it play out. But, like, yeah. that can be the through line, and she can show up in every episode, like, talking to the other characters and trying to figure stuff out. And that's why she's kind of holds this little universe together. Yeah. And they can still take on various, I guess... Like, little... they can still fight bad guys, obviously. Yeah. It's yeah. just... It, it would be more episodic than a build-up to a Thanos, or even just a build-up to yeah. a, a Crisis Man. Yeah, that's why I'm like, Trigon is, like, end of the series Yeah, guy. And he can definitely make an appearance. If Raisin... If Raisin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's colored like a Raisin. <laughs> this is true. If Raven has an episode, Trigon can still make an appearance, but it's like, it's not him manifesting and destroying everything. It's like, him in her dreams. Hell, we could even have Trigon act as a metaphor for the PTSD she would have. Mm-hmm. Which they should all have to a certain degree because they're all on the front lines. Yeah. 
That's that's how we can the air quotes have our cake and eat it too, or at the very least d- demonstrate that the war was not a romp and fun time. Mm-hmm. But still give our heroines the opportunity to kick bad guy butt. Yes, like heck, in one of the annuals, um, Wonder Woman took on Clayface. I don't really consider him a top tier villain. Yeah, just deal with the normal stuff, like. Heck, you could have a shout-out to Birds of Prey with, um, Kate Kane. Yeah, ooh, she could, um, not necessarily Kate Kane, but Helena and, gosh, who was it? Helena, Barbara, and, uh, Laurel, Black Canary. They were the main Birds of Prey. So one episode could just be about the three of them. Yeah. Because either... Either two of them end up going to Germany for some reason, or Helena decides to leave Germany and come to America. Yeah. Like, I think an in-Germany plot could probably be something along, like a shout-out to The Third Man. Um, it was this book that was turned into a movie that had Orson Welles in it. Not to give away any spoilers, because this is an actually really good movie, and I recommend people seek it, seek it out and watch it. Um, but the plot revolves around hidden identities and uh, shitty morphine pills hmm. in black markets. Hmm. Another thing we could do, if, if, if we just assume that like the miniseries does well and it gets like another set of episodes and those episodes just pick up however many years or even just months after and we can rearrange stuff less. So like the first season, it can have an episode... That's all about Black Canary, and can have an episode about Batwoman that features Barbara in it, and then a solo episode for Helena. But then the following season, that's when we get a Birds of Prey episode. That's just the three of them. Yeah. And then just just rearrange where the characters are. Yeah. So, but like first season, it would go Batwoman, and then it would probably have Star Girl and Supergirl, Harley and Ivy, Huntress, Black Canary. Uh, just again because I'm a fan of Legends of Tomorrow, have White Canary have a cameo in there. <laughs> yes. Um, we can do Zatanna episode, and who else was mentioned? Mara episode. Selena Kyle. I don't think we've mentioned her, but oh yeah, Selena Kyle. She's well, an international jewel thief. Oh, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> All the Lupin shoutouts. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because I saw another clip of the uh, CGI. Lupin the Third, and I'm like, oh god, I need to watch this! Yeah. Oh, it'd be cool if there was a theatrically released animated Batman movie. Because I know we've gotten a lot of good ones that are direct-to-DVD or direct-to-streaming, but give us a theater one. Yes. No more live-action superhero movies. Society has progressed past the need for live-action superhero movies. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then Raven would get an episode, and then number ten would be Diana. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Ten episodes. Now... We haven't really talked on the queer stuff yet, so yes. I gotta ask, in this alternate universe, is it an issue at all? Doesn't, like, for them personally, it doesn't seem to be a big deal, but, like, they're mostly superheroes interacting with other superheroes, so. Yeah, like, that's the thing, like, in their own little community, obviously it's... no one's gonna bat an eye, Yeah, but, like, would we even want to delve into the issues that they would be going through if they even attempted to be publicly queer. Yeah, that... Because this is the 40s and 50s. It's not a fair time to be a queer person. And, like, someone like Kate has a lot of leeway because she's filthy fucking rich. Yeah. 
Oh, and I'm like, we, we also should not at all avoid the fact that Kate is Jewish, too. Yeah. Like, that would be, I don't know how much that would have factored into the comic series itself. I hope it did. Yeah, it gets mentioned quite a quite a bit as one of her big motivations for going. It's like, um... Good. Yeah. No duh. Like, again, going back to the Batman show, it's it's not covered up, but all the mentions of it are more in passing than ever letting it really inform her character. Hmm. And I'm not Jewish, so I don't know how yeah, much would be the, us, and... the the proper amount of informing her character because it's it's that line of do you want it to be that just everything that she's about, or do you only want it to be subtle? And but but like you're, you're never gonna know if you're not part of the culture itself. Yeah. So and like the amount of religiosity of any person is hard to gauge. Yeah. And then you add in ethnicity to it, like I would, I would be more. I mean, I'm not like trying to call them out because I don't necessarily know what goes on in the writers' room. But I'd be, I'd more, I'd be more confident with their choices in portraying Kate's religion on the show if I knew there was a Jewish presence on the writing staff. Mm-hmm. But so that's something to keep in mind for this show is to have a diverse writing room, exactly, so that they can. If if someone writes something, someone can raise their hand and say, "Hey, that doesn't make a lick of sense." Yeah. But also, there's the whole, we should probably have multiple voices from within the same community because no two Obviously. experiences are the exact same. Like, exactly. technically speaking, like, my family is Christian, like, specifically of a particular, pro- we're both, from, I think we're both from the same Protestant denomination, United Church. Uh, yes. Yeah. But depend again, depending on how you were raised. And but there's other people we know who grew up in very conservative Christian environments. Mm-hmm. That, that's another thing, is that, so, well, obviously it would be good to portray the difficulties of being a queer person in that time. Part of me all, almost wants to say, don't get into, like oh, it's because of your religion too, just yeah. because so so much of the issues that arise uh, between queerness and religion, it's really just Christianity and Catholicism and their colonial influence kind of overtaking other things. Like, if, if you trace back the history of accepting queerness in religions, most of them were completely fine with it until, yeah. really, even Christianity was pretty chill, and then the Church of England said, hey, we actually hate everyone. <laughs> It's time to repress. Honestly, the Reformation w- did not help anybody. No. No. But that's like, the thing. Like, I almost... I, d- I don't want there to be a, a plot in Kate's episode where it's like, I'm a lesbian, but I must hide it because of my faith. Like, no, that's not something that would happen. No. Yeah. And then... And it's just going to add more fuel to the fire of people saying, ah, so this... We should abolish all religion because then queer people will be free. And this is the only time I'll ever show allyship. There's a reason there's a whole Twitter called Just Say You Meant Christianity. Yeah. Oh, Christ. I still maintain to this day that if Edward II had been a fucking competent king, nobody would have given a shit about him being gay. <laughs> but no, he had to lose most of the French territory to the fucking Valois. <laughs> no, it was still the Capet at the time. And then he got killed by his own wife, who was fed up with his bullshit. So his, so the good timeline actually starts when Edward II had a fucking brain cell. Yes! <laughs> Maybe had he married Isabel of Castile instead of Isabella of France, 
so that he could back up his claim to Gascony. She's the Isabel that said gay rights. <laughs> anyway, another thing we can have, just because it is the era, is have the Just Society be there. Yes. As opposed to the Justice League. Because, yeah. well, first off, Stargirl, at least the Stargirl I'm familiar with, which I'm only familiar with by watching the trailer for the TV show. <laughs> but the, the Stargirl I know of. Oh, wait, no, there was also a Stargirl in the... So, Legends of Tomorrow Season 2 introduced the Justice Society of America. Yeah. And they were set in World War II. And they had a version of Stargirl in there. And she's different from this, the TV show Stargirl. But the, the, the spin-off Stargirl is also part of the Justice Society. It's just a modern version of the Justice Society. What I'm trying to say is that we're, we're in the post-war era. It's going to be the Justice Society. Yeah, that's just what they're going to call it. Yeah. And an, one of the members of Justice Society in Legends of Tomorrow was actually the ancestor of Vixen, who was also Vixen. Cool. So we could have... We could go real deep into... Amaya Jiwei's past as Vixen and what it would look like outside of just North America and Europe in the post-war world. Yeah. And th that's when we can get into, hey, here comes the colonialism. It's terrible. Yeah. Also, speaking of that, there was a figurine made for Katana, who is a Japanese superheroine. Oh, yeah. That would be a whole thing, too. Yeah. Because I am very literal when I say that Japan is probably one of the only post-apocalyptic countries out there because of the bombs being dropped. Okay, was Zatanna, like, in Japan, or was she in America, and was she put in a camp? I think she was always in Japan, because they made a shit ton of these figurines. Yeah, let me just look up Katana from the comics and see if there was a Bombshells version. Not even on Wikipedia, so I'm gonna say no. Yeah. But I think we should, because the, the two, there's two very different stories we could tell, because it's either going to be a Japanese soldier having to realize that the, the mindset of their military was the reason why so many of them died, and they have to learn how to deal with being in this post-war and post-apocalyptic country, or it's the story of a woman whose family and livelihood was taken away from her because her own country shoved her in a camp. Mm -hmm. And now she and her family are trying to rebuild when they know for a fact now that all their neighbors and everything don't trust her solely because of... You know, yeah. you know. God, yeah. I hope to God all my listeners know about the frickin' Japanese internment camps. Mm-hmm. And how, like, uh, hell... Up here in Canada, we did it, and apparently the police and the armed forces were like, we shouldn't really do this because most of our Japanese citizens have been here for at least two generations? Yeah, but they did it anyway, so yeah. they're complicit. Yeah. And that's the thing, is that Canada's not, it's not that Canada isn't racist, it's just we're better than hiding it. Or rather, it's just the US is so blatant that... <laughs> and so over the top with it? Like... Yeah. It's it's a it, that's what it is. It just the U.S.'s racism almost distracts people from other places' racism. And again, it's not like the U.S. is more racist. It's just they broadcast it more. Yeah, they're the loudest one in the room. Yeah, and so other countries can do the exact same shit, but they cover it up, which isn't good either. Mm -hmm. Arguably, it's worse. It it creates a whole thing. Ugh. Ugh. This entire period is super complicated. 
But it needs to be discussed because if we don't talk about it in like its actual realistic terms, people are going to forget what fucking happened. Exactly. Read a book. Read a book. <laughs> L- listen to a pod. Listen to podcasts made by the people who know what they're talking about. Yes. Which we're only barely that. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, I'm finally gonna kick myself in the butt and get myself that master's degree so that I could be an actual archivist, which is a very important part of the historical process. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, yeah, read a book. I even just watched the second season of The Terror, which I heard was done really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, even... I'm not going to say it was perfect, but I think even Teen Wolf did a good job of talking about Japanese internment. <laughs> I think th- I think they probably lost any good grace they may have gotten from that in later seasons, but the, the plot itself, I- in a bubble? That was decent. Yeah. And, like, I'll, I can forgive Man in the High Castle for a rather unrealistic... Now, given the amount of information we have about the Axis, um, alternate history about an Axis victory, but to be fair to Philip K. Dick, he was running it, like, in 1961, and there was still a lot of, like, stuff that never got released yet. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize how poorly run Germany was until the 70s. Yeah. Um, I'm googling Japanese heroes in DC Comics. Oh, there was a Japanese version of Dr. Light. Okay. Uh, da, 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 an astronomer, member of the Justice League, and single mother of two. Um, da, da, she was part of a crisis on infinite Earths and when su- summoned to study a cosmic phenomenon and accidentally gained light superpowers. Since then, she's aided the League of the Doom Patrol and the Outsiders. So, we could have Katana be her story be set in Japan and then Dr. Light be set in America. Okay. And then we can have, like, bo- both sides of that story. Yeah. Or not both sides, like, but those two versions of the story. Yeah. Um, what else? We could also... You mentioned Bumblebee. Yeah. And she's one of the... Like, she and Vixen are one of the few high-profile black heroes in DC Comics. Yeah. And I already mentioned Vixen. Like, she's from Africa. She's not even African-American. She is from Africa. And so yeah. that's where her story would be set. But Bumblebee's story could talk about the treatment of the black soldiers coming home from America. And, like, you, we can get into how, oh, it was so the Harlem Hellfighters were so cool. And then they came back to America. And America's like, we're just going to double down on all the terrible things we've done to you. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Amanda Waller is also, she's kind of like the Nick Fury character where she's gathering up. All... Yeah, I mean, she's, she's kind of like that yeah. in all variations. Yeah. I guess I kind of realized, hey, we should probably have a Nick Fury-like character in charge of some sort of superhero-related organization. Okay, we'll yeah. put Amanda Waller in charge of it. See, it's hard to, it would be hard to find a spot. It's hard to even historically justify amanda waller getting to a high enough rank in that era yeah it's almost like she would have to be in she'd have to be like a radio operator that pulls together this underground yeah she would have to be doing it independently yeah she'd have to be like some kind of independent radio operator pulling all these heroes together because like even in the 50s it we're not even in the era where they would have promoted her into a nothing position just to show off yeah the, like they would have, they would have hired her against all odds, and then just kept her in a very lowly position. Yeah, maybe in one of those, she was the only one who applied, and beggars can't be choosers, and were in a very begging position. Yeah, but they don't like the fact that they had a picker. Yeah, 
Because, oh God, a woman? Oh God, a black woman? Yeah. Like, because I'm not the kind of, I I don't like saying, oh, because of the era, they never would have attained that position. But consider where they are. Like, the fact that you would have even been involved in the military would be a miracle. Yeah, in a segregated military. No, exactly. It's the era, era, eh. The era of segregation yeah. deep in America. It's it's a different from saying like, oh, there would be no black people in Victorian England. It's it's a situation of, oh, like the US military during World War II is not gonna allow black people to obtain any kind of position. Period. <sighs> yeah. Uh people forget that the US military was desegregated in um at the end of the forties under Truman. Because the Korean War was when you had integrated uh, military units. Yeah. And don't don't believe stories that it was all hunky-dory. No. We've created possibly the most miserable DC story. I mean, hey, at least we're miserable with a point. Like, we're we're, we're showing... We, we, We have lured you in with the premise of cool superheroes being lesbians. And they're like, oh, by the way, the world is terrible and always has been. Yeah, like, the only kind of hopeful situation might be Supergirl and Stargirl, given that they were raised in the Soviet Union in the 1930s, which was extremely rough. Uh, their stepdad was a scientist who got exiled to Siberia, which is considered lucky. Hmm. Or a sentence worse than death. Yeah. Depending I... on your situation. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Kara and Courtney defecting to the U.S., but... I mean, we don't have to frame it as, we've decided to become American, hooray, we love capitalism. It would be more like, it's safer for us to live here, but don't get us wrong, we, we still want Russia to succeed for everyone. Yeah. It's more like, we have a voice here, whereas over there we're all scared. Yeah. One of my personal beliefs about any political system is that it's only as good as the people running it. And the people running Russia for a very long time, and this is across all sorts of political systems, have been fucking terrible. Yeah. It's just different flavors of terrible and greedy. Yeah, and there's always a strain of paranoia that runs through them, and it's almost like the Mongol invasions back in the 12th century had like this permanent psychic scar on on these people and there's also like the lack of national protective borders and Mm. uh, uh, neighbors who have traditionally not been very friendly towards each other so there's this like we're in a tough neighborhood we don't trust anybody and that's kind of leads to a whole lockdown mentality we have to it yeah it's super complicated yeah it's coming from very nasty places, and I do think socialism is the way to go, but at the same time, you can't have paranoid people running socialism or running yeah, the socialist well, be- system. Because that's when it stops being socialism and starts, it, it leaps frogs right over communism and just goes straight into cult. tyranny. <laughs> yeah. It's basically a cult. But we, we don't have to get real deep into that. I think. Yeah. I think. From Carr and Courtney's standpoint, it's we feel physically safer and we don't feel like uh, we're going to get lined up against a wall and shot by our own government right away. Yeah. But at the same time, 
it's also the realization that, oh, yeah, the communist propaganda about the segregation is right. And the sexism is still here. Yeah. I would argue that the hopeful part is that in this series, we have all of these heroines, like, coming back from fighting blatant evil and then having to fight the blatant evil in their homelands as well. Yeah. But they do keep fighting. And that's the thing. like people have been fighting for freedom for a long ass time and we're not stopping. Um, actually, and I feel, I feel a good part to end the mini series or the first season, however it shakes out yeah. would be like with Diana's episode. And then at the end, she does actually have the opportunity to go back to Themyscira and she decides, no, I'm going to stay here because there's still more work to be done. And I also think like if the series continues, we just go full alternative history and show like, Hey, this is what the world could be. Yeah. It sucks, but we have these female superheroes who are kind of leading the way to show us, like, hey, we don't have to be shitty to each other. Exactly. Yeah. And hey, maybe uh, things shake out when the when people realize, oh yeah, there's now cosmic threats after us. Great. <laughs> I mean, cosmic threats almost seem like a distraction. I feel like the series should focus on the the women bettering Earth. Yeah. Before we get into other stuff. Yeah. And then potential for crossovers, because who doesn't like a good crossover? Yeah, there would definitely be a Legends of Tomorrow episode where everyone crashes into this alternate universe. I d- they can't really do multiverse crossovers anymore, because as far as the people in the Arrowverse are concerned, the multiverse is dead. They don't realize <laughs> there's still other Earths out there. I f- I think it's going to be like ten years before, like, I don't know, Barry accidentally slams his way through the source wall. <laughs> Look, uh, when DC Comics did the Crisis on Infinite Earths, it didn't take long for them to start creating other alternate Earths again. Yeah. Because, honestly, the continuity in comic books only exists for the nerds to catalog. Yeah. Like, probably one of the best advice I ever heard about getting started in comic books is just pick a book at your comic book store. If it looks interesting, read it. And then if you find out that it's, like, number 200 in a line, you can go to the internet and look up the past issues and get caught up there. <laughs> ah, well, now Marvel Comics is being real helpful because now you can pick up a book and you'll see that it is simultaneously number 200 and number 7. Fuck me! Also, I would like to announce that um, Marvel is no longer working with Diamond Distributors. Oh, they severed ties too? Yeah. Or, wait, no. I, yeah, wait. DC severed ties. Yeah, DC I didn't hear about Marvel. Yeah, not uh, Marvel I'm yet. pretty sure I'll hear something about Marvel because I'm following the right people that would be yeah. <laughs> raising flags and about that. It makes sense because they now have the mouse's money, so. Yeah. But we don't need to get into that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, a- I think we've reached a good spot to wrap up on. <laughs> so. So sorry that this is such a downer because you realize, oh, fuck. I'd argue it's not so much a downer as just th- there are serious issues, and if we were to do a DC Bombshell series, that is like uh, a vessel through... It's a lens through which we can examine real issues that have happened and are still happening in the world. Yeah, and possible solutions to them. Exactly. And so I'll take that note to dovetail into 
The reminder once again that there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of protesting, a lot of people in danger, and so we encourage you to donate to charities and GoFundMes and local bail funds and local BIPOC funds and support places and sign petitions when you can and go to protests when you can and stay safe and keep your friends and your community safe and fuck the police. And now we will go to a friendship promo. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Tanner cutting in again to let you know that this week's friendship promo is in the form of a proof that I am going to read directly from the Control Group TTRPG podcast. Hey, we're Control Group. We test the latest and greatest in systems so you don't have to. We use mini-campaigns to focus on systems you may not have heard of in an attempt to share games with players of all experiences. We're four queer and or BIPOC from Chicago who have been gaming together for some time. Come check out some fresh systems, plus some systems we've created ourselves. A few of the systems that are available now are Monster of the Week, Pasión de las Pasiones, and A World of Ice and Fire. Follow us on Twitter, at ControlPod. Control, just like the key on the keyboard. Available wherever podcasts are found. So, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476 on Twitter, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and you can find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced the Star-Spangled Man with the plan, <laughs> except I guess it's a woman. <laughs> um, if we ever reboot Amalgam <laughs> Comics, I'm definitely putting Cat America and Wonder Woman together. Yes. But that's a story for another day. Uh, also, don't you can let also Steve eat... fly a plane. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so that Steve can date a different Steve. <laughs> and make sure none of them fly planes. <laughs> <laughs> Only invisible planes. <laughs> it's going to be such a long time before Wonder Woman 1984 comes out, but I hope she has an invisible plane. Yes. I love the invisible plane. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> But you know what's not dumb is emailing us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com and you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite thing about the invisible plane. Uh, you could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. And and once again, I do want to reiterate that we would love to have more than just white guys as guests. Our guest list has been predominantly white guys and we would love to have more viewpoints coming in from various backgrounds. There are certain things that we think would be cool to see reboots of, but we don't want to touch it because the last thing you want is two white people saying, I think this is how this black character story should have gone. So please, not ju not just now when things are in an uprising and not just because it's a specific Pride Month or a History Month or whatever month, anytime you want to come on, let us know. We'll have you. It'll be great. And you can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network. You can find out more about other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. 
Also, this is another thing I just remembered, and I feel like I should incorporate it into my usual ending sequence, but also friendship promos. If you want to send us a friendship promo, be it an audio recording of your own podcast or your YouTube show or you vamping on your DeviantArt channel, or just like a proof that you want us to read out for you, hey, we'll take that too. We, we love having... We had a, a while where we were just cycling through the same like 20 friendship promos in a loop. And we would love to get more of those as well. So please, it, it's free of charge. It's a friendship promo because we're all friends. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. What are you doing next week? Next week, we are going to find out why Twinks are the must-have accessory this high school season. And it is going to be so homo-dorable. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, okay, so once again, this, we're, we, we've come back around to the People's Choice episode, and it's probably available, so we're, I'm rebooting the seri- the movie GBF, which stands for Gay Best Friend, and uh, your your reaction was kind of the same reaction people had on Tumblr about it, until they actually found out the premise was deconstructing the whole thing that I just said. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to get that away, it's just... No, it's fine, it's... <laughs> Listen, if, if it's publicly available, the, the curtains have been drawn. There's no point in being coy with the hint. I just wanted to say the phrase, so home adorable. <laughs> and I'll be saying that again next week. But not if we reboot you first. Bye.